Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We know the many that are uh, struggling with, with health issues, whether it's just can't smell the coffee or whether it's, it's really serious. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, because it's all about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're starting a, a series on the book of Ephesians. And... You know, it's always interesting to understand somewhat of the background of the church of Ephesus. And yet, just as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Just as Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus, he's writing them to the church at Northfield. And this morning, we're going to cover the first 14 verses, the first chapter of Ephesians. And I'd like to start with the finish. I'd like to start with the summary. And that is Jesus was always God's plan. Before he created Adam and Eve and placed them in his creation, the plan of redemption of the sacrifice of his very son was the plan. It was always the plan, and it's the only plan. So just as this message to Ephesians written 2,000 years ago was relevant for those people, it is relevant for us. So just to receive a little background on, on this, we really, uh, First Timothy actually a little more info on what was going on. At this time, uh, when Paul wrote to Timothy, the first, uh, his first letter to Timothy, and First uh, Timothy or First Timothy one three says, "As I urge you, when I was going to Mesopotamia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons." So the letter to Timothy was actually written to Timothy while he was at Ephesus as either the pastor of the Ephesus church or at least in a leadership position at the church of Ephesus. So we can get some, some idea of what was going on through the Timothy. And I'd like just, just to continue reading a couple of these verses. Remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is to love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, may, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away from, into vain discussions, designed to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying, things about which they make certain Confident assertions. And then in uh, chapter 4, he continues on. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, 
that by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be seized with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So we see there's an underlying false teachings going around in this church. You know, some of their Jewish backgrounds of, of trying to add traditions and all this stuff, and some from probably from the, the latest philosophy going around the Greek world at that time, and constantly adding to the simple message of the gospel of Jesus. And so we have these people trying to gain a higher spiritual plane, trying to gain blessings from God on what they could do or what they're not doing. And, you know, I guess it's, you know, to be fair, let's, we need to think about these Jews at this time. You know, what had they been taught? They had the scriptures, the Old Testament, the truth of God. You know, they learned about Adam and Eve and their rebellion, and then God killed the animals and shed the animals' blood to cover their nakedness with the skins of animals that God produced. We see a depraved society, and God said, it's time for a reboot, it's time for a restart. And he took a righteous man, Noah, and his family and preserved them, destroying all the wickedness. And then that failed. So then he set apart a man of faith, Abraham, took him to a, a foreign land, set him apart, and created a great nation out of him, a nation based on a covenant of faith with that people ending up in slavery in Egypt. And then he took a man, Moses, to lead that, those slaves out of Egypt. And so, so many failures, he gave them a law, a guide, how to live, what to do, what not to do. As time went on, that failed, and then he gave them prophets to bring them back to the truth. So by the time we see Jesus coming and now the gospel reaching these cities of Ephesus, it was easy to think, well, Jesus is just the next fix. Jesus is just the next thing that God's trying Jesus was always God's plan. Jesus was God's only plan. Thirty years, three decades. I've been around the block, and before that, my dad was elder and minister, and many discussions of the things of the day. Not so different. There's constantly some new book, some new theory, 
some new philosophy floating around, Christianity. If you worship a certain way, give tithes a certain way, if you eat a certain diet, if you dress a certain way, if you love a cert- uh, live a certain lifestyle, if you place special emphasis on certain doctrines, if you pray special words. A few years ago, a book came out, and I think it was written in good intentions. But people took it, and if we say these words, it will somehow unleash the power of God and his blessings in our lives. You know what prayer God wants to hear from you, from me? What attitude he wants from you, from me? The attitude of the son that had rebelled against his father, found in Luke 15, 18. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Jesus was always the plan. His salvation is nothing that we can earn or receive on our own. So as we look at Ephesians, start out at 18 verses. You know, the first thing when I, when I, I really hadn't, I just knew, that, or kind of when we were discussing a, a timeline, I just said, well, I can preach the first week in January. I'll be good to go. My shoulder would be good, and, and uh, I have time to prepare. And I read it, these first 14 chapters. There are 14 verses. I'm thinking, oh, there's a trigger word in there. Predestined. What am I going to do with that? And if you've been around uh, Christianity, if you're familiar with, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate on the issue of God's sovereignty and man's free will, of, of man being predestined before God, uh, God decides. I would just like to quickly, before we read this passage, I don't want you to get hung up on this word this morning. Because in these 14 verses, Jesus Christ is referenced 14 or 15 times. So let's not miss the truth of this passage this morning because we somehow get tripped word. What predestined isn't? Maybe we could just take a quick look at that so we don't get confused and we have a better understanding what it is not. It is not God before creation, saying, let's see, those babies born in 2022. Uh, Olivia and Oliver, we're going to save them. And Isabella Mason and Harper and Leo, we're going to condemn them to death, to, to hell. 16 states, for God so loved the world. Not that for God so loved 10% of the world. 
God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, our Savior who desires all people to be saved. 2 Peter 2, or 3, 9, the Lord notwithstanding that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all. Now make no mistake, Jesus himself stated, and come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I'm not here to settle the debate this morning between God's will and man's will. What I'm here to state that this passage this morning is all about Jesus. And that Jesus was the plan from the beginning. He was the one that was predestined to come and live a perfect life and to suffer and die a sacrifice for our sins that we could be redeemed and be adopted into God's family. This passage, we see God the Father ordains. Jesus fulfilled and the Holy Spirit sustains. The Trinity, we sang about holy, holy, holy. The Trinity, and it's all in this passage this morning. But the focus is on Jesus. Jesus was the plan from the beginning. In the original Greek, verses 3 through 14 is one sentence. It's one message, one idea. And it's all about Jesus. Let's read. I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory.
Verse 4 and 5, even, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he adopted, <clears throat> in love, and us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. As I, as I was preparing this message, I was just thinking, God, why did you create Adam and Eve? Why did you create us? You knew it was going to cost you everything. It was going to cost you the most precious thing you had. It was going to cost you your son. Why would you even go through with it? And yet that was the plan. Paul starts before the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption God put forth. The plan of his son suffering and dying on the cross, leaving the glories of heaven. Why did you create us? And then I got to thinking, I got uh, the Spirit spoke. The plan, a creator with a creation. Even though Adam and Eve was in the image of God, we see that God visited them in the evening. A creator-creation relationship. God's plan all along was a father-son relationship with his creation. The plan was adoption. Why? Because of Jesus' sacrifice. Read that again. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. You know, I, I understand that some in this room did not have a love relationship, an intimate relationship with their father. But I can only tell you there's a special, and that's a flawed relationship on this earth. Think about God the perfect father wanting us to be his children. It was the plan from the beginning. In him, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. All oh, the cost was great. Plan from the beginning.
I don't understand why God loved me that he would sacrifice his son, put his son through torture. Many of you have heard our story, my story, of getting a call and that my son was in a terrible accident. Going to the scene before he was transferred to the hospital, I see my son naked. His body broken, his blood covering the ground. I would have done anything to take his place. I would have done anything to have prevented that. But I would never have put him through that to save somebody else. I don't love you guys enough to put my son through that, you. And yet that's God's love for us. That was the plan from the beginning. It was the only plan. And it cost God the most precious thing he had so that we could become sons. We could become children. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. The riches of his grace. His grace. There's nothing we have done to deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to attain it. There's nothing that we can do to improve upon it. The riches of his grace. What love he has for us. That his very beloved would sacrifice. Making known to us, verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You know, we think in, in, in time, in minutes, in hours, in years, in lifetime. God's plan of redemption through his son Jesus Christ laid before the foundation of the world would be not a creator visiting his creation in the cool of the day, but living together in perfect unity In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We 
are to receive the inheritance as sons. And in those, you know, times, the inheritance of the son was a big deal. He got all the rights, all the, the blessings. Romans 8, 17, 7, 8, 17 says, We are heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. You know, Jesus serves a lot of purposes, Lord and Savior and brother. You ever think about that? We're going to live in heaven in all eternity with our brother, Jesus. With our father, It was God's plan from the beginning. His plan wasn't that his creation would, would sit there and obey him and not eat of that tree. His, his plan from the beginning was to bring us into his family. Not as a creation, as his child. Verse 13 and 14, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance and to possession of it to the praise of his glory. God knew that we, even though he saved us and redeemed us, we live in this broken, fallen world. We live with broken bodies. But he promises us the Holy Spirit to sustain us in those times when we doubt, in those times when we struggle, those times when we're anxious. Nate sharing on New Year's Eve of it's so easy sometimes to just see the bad and miss what God is doing in our lives all around us. The Holy Spirit is there to sustain us, to give us strength, to give us comfort. Let's not forget that. Let's not minimize that. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus was always the plan.